everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I am Brandon, and unfortunately, I'm here with Paul. Yo, yo, what's up? I don't know, I, unfortunately, but this should be the best day of your <laughs> life. You're on the chat with me talking. Uh, what's up, guys? Uh, we're going to sit here. I'm in a new location today, secret location recording, so uh, let's hope it goes well, and uh, let's get it. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the secret uh, bunker that you have there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and happily, I'm here with Dan. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, fortunately, I'm here with Brandon. Fortunately, they're also with Paul. <laughs> oh, you hear, you hear what's going on? I'm the unfortunate guy today. What is going on? So let's this get is, up and not, let's get started. This is not fair. This is not fair right now. Just real quick before we do get started, uh, just a quick reminder that obviously because we missed last week and that doesn't matter if you hear this in the future, but if you follow along with us weekly, that it does matter. But we're, we don't have a set schedule, like set release, release schedule anymore, and I can't speak. And uh, so, yeah, I think right now we're looking at what, maybe doing like three and then taking a week's break or something like that. Just kind of however it works out. Yeah, like, how it works gonna, out. Yeah, we're not just going to like tear through the whole thing, you know, take a little break here and there. And then obviously yep. Twitter is at WWST underscore podcast. And I don't know what the hell's going on, but people have been rating us on uh, on Apple or you, you. You know, whatever you want to call it. And yep. uh, yeah, so we're, we're looking pretty good. So thank you, everybody that has rated us. Uh, that's That's been amazing on keeping us in that um, top 200 television review podcast chart. I think last I saw we were like 81. It's up and down, but those reviews uh, keep us going. So it's awesome that people yeah. are doing that because it's very hard to get reviews. Yeah, also, guys, we cracked the 3,000 uh, download mark this week. So, uh, you know, I, I'm tripping out because I'm like, people want to hear me. That's weird. But uh, yeah, hey, thank you for joining us. We don't have a good name for you guys, you know, like the crew or the homies or I don't know. We'll come up with something good for you guys yeah, eventually. Yeah, like, yeah, like the bridge the crew. crew. Yeah. They're like the that bridge sounds, crew. The crew? Yeah, the bridge crew. That sounds good. Uh, all right. Thanks yeah. for being part of the crew then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now that we got all that stuff out of the way, uh, we are covering season two, episode six, the doomsday machine. And throughout like half of this, I had it written as the doomsday doomsday device and, uh, had to go back and change it to the doomsday machine. Cause the doomsday device, uh, is very close to the Dudley device, which was the 3d from wrestling. I don't know if you guys know that. I, I was calling but... it the death star. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I called it the death star the whole time. I was the, like, Oh, the death star. Cool. The, the big death worm thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I was calling it uh, Galactus's cigar because it looks like that's something you'll smoke. <laughs> that's that's a good one, yeah. Um, original air date was somewhere around October twentieth, nineteen sixty-seven, and uh, the Enterprise she'd be flying uh, through space because it would be weird if it was anywhere else. Although we did open in like Earth's atmosphere that one time, so yeah, it's been that. rare. It, it would yeah. be funny to see the starship start off crashing into a planet. Yeah, and then it pauses, and then it Kirk's like, "I bet you're wondering how we got here." And then it oh, just that's go back a great and opening. <laughs> Talking to the screen like uh like Deadpool, yeah. talking yeah. to the audience. That'd be cool. <laughs> um, but a uh, green shirt Kirk, he enters the bridge, and a uh, communi- communications officer who is not Uhura but is Palmer uh, tells him that they've received a distress signal from somewhere in the sector in which they are. My immediately, I'm like, "Kiss no hero, bro." Like, I, like I have like five notes about this whole episode. Like, guys, I was talking to this episode. My notes are really small, but I'm like, "Yo, this no hero. What's going on here?" Like, that's my whole. Yeah. I kept noticing the whole time because like they made this character kind of integral to the episode. So the hero like not being there really, really, I noticed it blatantly the whole time. I was like, "Man, that's, that's your hero's line. That's your hero's line. Like, where's she at? Maybe she's pregnant. I don't know what's going on. I know the actress is missing. And I noticed it the whole episode." I just always assume that that's a vacation day for one of the crew members. 
Yeah, they just beam and, to another planet. And the new name for that is a Swag Kurt, I call him. So swag Kirk. I put Swag Kurt walks in immediately because I love that shirt so much. <laughs> I want to get one of those made. Yeah, that's a solid shirt. Uh, the little bit of research that I did as to uh, why Uhura was missing for this episode, because the dialogue was very clearly written for her. And I know it's kind of like standard communications officer dialogue, but I think it, it's more tailored towards her character. Um, and apparently... Uh, there really only were like three main cast members for this, which would be uh, Nimoy and Shatner and uh, uh, DeForest Bones. Kelly that plays, yeah, Bones. And um, the rest of them were just almost contract workers where they were just kind of in and out. But apparently oh, at this right. point, uh, Nichelle Nichols' uh, singing career, was she was actually doing well, really well in her singing career. And it, I believe it's uh, said that she had a, a gig this like during filming for this, so she went and it did her like her show instead of going to film this. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, that, that might uh, explain a lot of her abs- absences that I noticed now. Uh, but I was saying that um, they, I noticed they they always play the same like little section of theme music when you first see the Enterprise, and they actually they started it out normal, but they switched it up a little bit. So immediately yeah. I was like, okay, there's a little, this you know this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. Um. But anyway, uh, yeah, they, they can't pinpoint the uh, distress signal, and uh, Sulu announces that they've entered system L370, but Spock reports that his sensors say that the entire system has been destroyed. So they pass through some asteroids, and... Well, uh, at Kirk that point, is- I was like, the whole solar system's destroyed. Lord Beerus must have got mad that he had <laughs> no food. <laughs> Somebody woke him <laughs> up and did not feed him. <laughs> uh, but, but Kirk just says that it's that's incredible. He's like, that's incredible. Everything's gone. Uh, but he remarks that the uh, star in the system is still intact and that only a Nova could have destroyed that. So obviously it wasn't a Nova, uh, but they just continue searching and then they move on and they go to system L374, which is really creatively named, and uh, they find the same type of destruction. Um, they also cannot find uh, the USS Constellation, which is a ship that's supposed to be there. And uh, Kirk says that it was commanded by by Matt Decker. And I'm like, the Matt Decker? Because I don't know who the fuck he is. Like, he says it like we're supposed to know who it is. Like, it's Matt Decker, for God's sakes. Like, okay. it, like the name has some reverence to it. You can tell he put a little yeah. reverence to the name. Yeah, like, who the hell is Matt Decker? Never Kind of like, oh, yeah. Guy. Oh, like John Wick. You know, here's John Wick. You're like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Like, it's, it's yeah. Matt Decker. <laughs> Matt Decker. Um, so Spock says that the two innermost planets of the system are still intact. And uh, the communications officer reports that she's picking up a ship's disaster beacon. Uh, so Spock finds that on the sensors, and he says that it uh, it's just a drifting beacon and that the sensors are not recording any uh, normal energy output. And the comms officer says that she also can't uh, can't reach anything. So they find the constellation, and they, they start to head towards it. Or they, they find the ship, and they head towards it, and they see that it is the USS Constellation, and it's just kind of like floating dead among some debris and some asteroids, which is a really amazing shot. I really oh, enjoyed it. Looked, uh, it looked really good. CGI here. Yeah, um, I was curious. Is it the first time we've seen a ship destroyed or not? I can remember. Like, I think it. It. I think it might be, in the sense uh, of I, if it like floating there. I believe it is. Yeah, yeah like just sitting there, or whatever. Like, I know we've seen like uh, a ships fight a couple times, but I was curious about like is the first time we ever seen the ship like destroyed. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because normally they just blow up and you don't see them. Yeah, it looks gone. really cool. Uh, this is really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, the redone CG. I immediately was like, dude, I wish I could make a model of that. And then I looked up to see if people do make, have made scale models of that, and they have. And a lot of people have made some really, really good ones, which I imagine you would just take like an Enterprise one and like just distress it and all that. But 
Yeah, Enterprise went um, and changed the uh, the name. Yeah, actually, it's, and changed the not, name. not to go off on a tangent here, but the few models that I've done for Star Trek, when they include the decals, they actually include decals of several different uh, named ships. So you get the decals, like the name and the uh, the number on them, so you don't have to make the Enterprise. You can make the oh, Constellation make or whatever other oh, ship. Oh, that's you pretty cool. Okay, that's yeah. cool. So that that's that's real damn cool. I'm gonna see if I have a Constellation one. Um, yeah, anyway, can, uh, Kirk concludes that the uh, Constellation was attacked, and then he issues a red alert while we go to the show opening. And I think that so far this is my favorite start to an episode of the series. I don't know why, just like finding the, – the music was really good, and just like finding the dead ship floating is every, – like every episode basically has just sucked me in from the beginning. And this one definitely had me like right away. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, I was into it from the beginning. So we come back, uh, we get more shots of the Constellation floating around in space, and the Enterprise uh, starts its approach, and Kirk gives orders to his crew – as uh, Palmer says that uh, she can't contact the Constellation, but uh, there's still a distress beacon with uh, heavy subspace interference. Spock reports that the Constellation's power plants are dead, but the uh, reserve energy banks are operative at a very low power levels. And he says that their life support systems are also functioning at very low power level, and their bridge is damaged to the point of being uninhabitable. So he says that the rest of the ship seems like it should be able to sustain life. When it comes to this, uh, uh, the term uh, power plants, I thought that was weird that use the term power plants for the ship. Like, are there huge, like, big power plants inside the ship? Is that how big the ships are? Like, how big well, is it? Has it? To be. You know, well, you know how big Enterprise, you know, how, what's the scale of Enterprise, like, in my head? Like, I don't have a good scale in my head how big it would be. Uh, I remember, right, the Enterprise is about the length of an aircraft carrier. So they're they're pretty big. I mean, it holds like, like four hundred something okay. people. Okay. I, I tried to, like aircraft carrier. Is that like the length of like a football field? Um, I think the longest aircraft carrier is. Oh God, I don't remember. Fuck, I've just honestly, I just looked this up like a few weeks ago because I was talking to my wife about aircraft carriers and she was very uninterested. And I think. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Uh, I don't want to have to like Google this right now. Um. Now I'm just trying to remember the name of a building, so this isn't going very well at all. What's the the big ass building in New York? Chrysler. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, Empire. Empire State. Empire. Yeah. Or, yep. Yep. Yeah. So the largest ship in U.S. history, which is an aircraft carrier, is uh, bigger than the Empire State Building. But I think that aircraft okay. carriers, uh, in general, are about or slightly smaller than that. I think. I don't know 100, percent but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, these ships are obviously massive, like they're huge. Um, yeah, Kirk asks about the uh, radiation levels, and Spock reports that they're normal, but subspace interference is making it difficult for him to get readings. Um, Sulu reports that uh, all of their scanners are showing clear, and that there are no other vessels in the area. So Kirk goes down to a yellow alert and asks McCoy, Scott, and Scotty, and uh, a damage control party to meet him in the transporter room so that they can beam aboard the Constellation and he leaves Spock in charge as he uh, exits the bridge and again this is where I noticed that there's some just really good music in this episode and uh, they keep like mixing in shots of the the Constellation just floating there which I don't know why I just really enjoyed the design of the ships and to see one all destroyed is just cool as hell. Yeah whoever directed this episode and written it was a pretty good combination. Yes. It's, it's, it's not the one that I'm really good where somebody writes something very well and somebody directs it really well and you get like the drama and intensity pretty quick so you're in it and um you know it's kind of it's very dialogue heavy so i don't have a lot of notes yeah. 
but like I just I was waiting to I was waiting to the episode so yeah um so they beam to the constellation and uh they start taking some readings and Scotty finds that the communication system is shorted out so uh Kirk just sends him to go check on the phaser banks while he and McCoy go elsewhere and the uh their um damage control party goes with uh Scotty you notice that they didn't take any uh, security guards over there with some like, well, no one's going to die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no need. I don't understand why more times when we go on ships, they don't have like masks going for air and things like that. Like I can see the holes in the ship. So like I just I'm always curious why they don't have more more things on when they go to the ships or, or, or they don't like always scan for viruses or I don't know or something. I don't know. I just I find it, find it weird all the time to go to new plants. They don't have no kind of gear on. Well, in this particular instance, they had already scanned the ship and found that the life support systems were still intact for everywhere but the uh, the bridge. So yeah. they knew at least at this point that they were okay. Yes, yeah. But yeah, normally when they go to like just... planets or other ships, yeah, they, they should definitely have like masks or at least some kind of like safety suit on. Like the one yeah, time so... that they ever put on like a biohazard suit, a guy took his glove off and fucked the whole crew. Like, yeah, yep, yep. The, the, chicken, the, wire, the chicken wire one. I remember yeah. that one. They're like, if we're going to break protocol, we might as well not wear anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah for real. Yeah. <laughs> Save the money. Don't buy the suits. Um, but I did notice here that uh, they, Scotty and the uh, damage control party, they went up and down those little ladders. And good thing they established those ladders several times this season. Otherwise, I'd have been like, where, when did those get there? Like, I feel yeah. like that was what the they point. Were doing. For the last six episodes, they've been showing us these ladders, and finally, they make sense. So, uh, we get some shots of the two parties exploring the damaged ship, and Kirk notes to McCoy that uh, there's no mess, and he thinks that whatever happened there did not happen without a a warning, which is an awesome observation by Kirk. He's like, there's no spilled coffee, like, nothing's laying around. Yeah. Well written, by the way. What a well written, subtle way to make Kirk, like, very observant in a way. I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know why that jumped out, but I was like, that's actually like, that's that's really well done, because um, I would not have thought of that. I was just it would just be clean, and I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Yep. But uh, Scotty and his party uh, start doing a structural and damage check while uh, Scotty takes a look at the engines, and we go back to Kirk, and he notes that the crew just seem to have left. Uh, there's nobody around, and he calls the Enterprise and reports that they haven't found any survivors, and that they also haven't found any bodies. And uh, he report he wonders if. Uh, maybe they were beamed down to one of the planets, but Spock says that uh, one of the planets, one of the two planets' uh, surface temperature is that of molten lead, and that the other one has a poisonous, poisonous atmosphere. So, uh, no, they did not go down to those planets. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I really, I really enjoyed that. Like, uh, I don't know, like, I, I like, I, I enjoyed the uh, small details that show the dire situation they're in. You know, yeah. like they just keep details, details here, details here, and you start hearing. You know, start hearing about what's going on. I don't know. I'm way, I'm way into it, though. All the small details, subtleties makes me think about exactly what's going on more and more. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so Kirk hangs up on Spock and uh, he continues on as uh, Scotty comes to find him. And Scotty reports that the warp drive is destroyed, but the impulse engines aren't too bad. And he says that the phaser banks are exhausted, so that there must have been some sort of battle. Uh, so Kirk just kind of wonders where everybody is then. And uh, Scotty suggests maybe playing back the duplicate captain's log from the auxiliary control room. So they decide to go there. Scott, Scotty's partied a little bit. So he's like, all right, I got, I got some solutions for you to figure out what's going on. <laughs> if, when you, <laughs> when yeah. you to work backwards. 
Yeah, he's like, well, I've woken episode, up in some ships with nobody on him before. So. In this episode, Scotty, like, Scotty's really integral. Integral. Well, integral. You know what I mean. He's really yeah, important Scotty's in this a, episode. a fucking G. Yeah, yeah, he's really important in this episode. Like, they brought they brought his character. And it's the first time, like, maybe for episodes where, like, he is really a part all the time. Like, he goes somewhere to yeah. go back to Scotty. It's not something good to Scotty. Like, Scotty's uh, working on engine. They, they kind of let you know there's an engineer issue the whole time so you didn't forget that's an issue. You know, they kept reminding you, hey, Scotty's in here doing this, and then that goes on. But don't, don't forget about Scotty in here doing this. And then eventually, you know, Scotty became the most important part of the whole episode of him trying to figure out what was going on with uh, the engine, the transporter at the end. So it's like, I liked it. It was really good. Yeah, and like... He also seems to be like a V engineer. Like he's just like the top guy. Like they have guys yeah. that can do things, but like Scotty can do some shit. Yeah. Like how lucky did Kirk get that he ends up with like at the best in Starfleet on his ship? Like everybody is yeah. just the best at everything. Yep. I wonder that that would be cool if they go back, try to find out uh, his first day on command and like uh, find out how he got his crew. Like how exactly he got the crew. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not sure if, if uh, Spock is the first Vulcan to join. Because they haven't really specified that, but I, we know it's rare the Vulcan the Vulcans do join, right? So I'm I'm curious if like if him if Spock was like they came up with an agreement and then Spock was the first person who joined. That's like part of their treaty with the Vulcans, or like uh, or like or they got to pick their crew. I'm curious how the beginning starts because you see you see in the movies they kind of do their own thing, you know, have their own way of saying the story. But I'm curious right. how it is in the TV show, like what exactly uh their story is. Yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, interesting to see. Uh, I wonder if uh, Strange New Worlds will cover that, or if they have, because I haven't watched any of it yet. Yeah. I'm going to wait till we get through this. Yeah, we, we know we know uh, Kirk inherited uh, Spock from Pike yeah. as, as his right. first. But but after that, I don't know how... And Uhura. I guess Uhura they, is also in Strange New Worlds. Yeah. So yeah, maybe so, they were all together before Kirk. Yeah, so like I wonder if he just, like they're all picked, and they're like, oh, let's throw Kirk on that ship as the captain you know, when he got it, or was right. it something else, so... That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, that'll be interesting to watch when we get done with all this. Um, so yeah, they enter the uh, auxiliary control room and they find uh, Matt, Matt Decker is there and he's in uh, kind of like a shocked, daze like state. And he does Flipping not on the respond. Job. He's just kind of. Yeah, just being a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> just cl- classic Matt Decker, you know? I'm on my and, uh, I don't know why everyone likes this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does he do? It's so great. I'm on my last uh, break. <laughs> yeah, he's like Star- Starfleet mandates 30 minutes of break for every f- eight hours of work <laughs> but uh, he does not respond to their attempts to get his attention so McCoy is just like well I got something and just randomly grabs a syringe from a be- his bag and just injects him like how does he know what he has in that he knows <laughs> it's adrenaline come on out we know what it was come on he just immediately, he's just like, this is it. Like, he, I imagine he's got like 60 syringes in there, and he's just like, this is the one, I guess. He, just yeah, like, just, hope it works. He, he brought, he knew to bring the right shot. So he's like, I haven't been over there yet, but someone's going to need a shot of adrenaline. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, actually watching an episode. I've been sitting about it. I'm curious how big this uh, bag is, that how, how many needles are in there. It's not so big. I'm, yeah, it's not big at all. But it's the future. Needles are small. Actually, those things got bigger <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, after his little shot, uh, Matt Decker comes out of his daze and he says that they were attacked by a thing, and then he goes into a state of shock as Kirk. Uh, is, he's like, "What happened?" Like Matt, tell me what happened, you son of a bitch. And it's like, dude, leave him alone for a minute. Like he's obviously yeah. in a state of shock. Like yelling <laughs> yeah, at him is like, not uh, gonna help. <laughs> Look at his face. He's uh, traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're. Like, uh, he's he's, he's, he's played off very well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the actor, 
Yeah, he, he was yeah. really good at yeah, that. Yeah, he was solid. Yeah, his face was really, really good. At that. Like, like a crazed, mat, like a crazed, shocked madness about him. Yeah. But this is, the, like, in a couple seconds, this is what the minute annoys me. How come all the Commodores are just terrible? And Yeah, they're we all met dicks. A, like, yeah, all of them. They always they always ruining missions or what I say is high priority whatever's first like we found I think there's one Commodore we found we liked and that was the one that uh, I think Kurt called one before for a mission but besides that one like when we meet him in person we have not found a Commodore that's like like the power has went to their head a lot right yeah maybe it is that maybe the power just goes to their head and they just become assholes for some reason yeah it's been happening a lot I can believe that yeah. So uh, Scotty plays uh, a log file and we hear Matt Decker's report uh, that they had entered the system and the fourth planet seemed to be breaking up when they got there. So they went to investigate. Uh, Kirk notes that there are only two of the four planets left now. And he orders Scotty to pull all the microtapes and beam them to uh, Spock on the Enterprise. They can get a full analysis of those. Uh, Decker says that they tried to contact Starfleet, but they couldn't get through because of the subspace interference. And he says that he had to beam his crew down to a planet uh, but he was hit again, and the transporter went out, and that left him stranded on the ship. Kirk's like, I, man, I got some bad news for you. One was molten lead, and another was poisonous yeah. gas. <laughs> yeah. like, which one did you pick? <laughs> He's like, half and half. <laughs> uh, so Kirk asks uh, what attacked them, and Decker says that, He's like, people say that there's no devil, but it's there. But like, there is one, and it, it came right out of hell. And uh, he says that his crew are on the third planet, and Kirk's just like, well... There ain't no third planet no more, my dude. Like, didn't even, like, try to break it to him nicely. He's just like, there is no third planet, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> and, uh, Decker says well, that there was, but it's not there anymore. Yeah, that was really, like, I don't know. That, that like, the only, what a good actor, dude. Like, yeah, he just, the look in his face of, like, horror, you know, of, like, yo, my whole crew's dead. Like, everybody's dead. <laughs> I want to point really out, good. Decker already has a higher body count than Kirk does. <laughs> yes, yeah, so far. <laughs> For the season? Yeah, I forgot. Yep. To see. Yeah, it's 400. So that, that adds 400 <laughs> to the whole uh, total of the people died, yeah. but not for the yeah. Enterprise this time. That's right, not for the Enterprise. Uh, but yeah, Matt Decker, yeah, he says that uh, there was a third planet, but there's not one anymore, and that he, you know, 400 of his crew uh, called and begged him for help, but he there was nothing he could do about it. And actually, that I have a note right here that says that, man, this actor is really good. So, yeah, he was amazing in, the, in his role here. So he didn't uh, do the uh, new number, who dis? No. <laughs> They're like, help us. He's like, uh, sorry, new number, who dis? <laughs> just, just left him down there. <laughs> Dude, if those two planets uh, had like a molten lava or like molten lead surface, and the other one was poisonous. Like, do you think that the other two planets were any better? You oh, think absolutely one of, not. One of them is just like like sub zero temperatures, and the well, other one is just. Didn't they well, say the other two were closer to the sun? I don't know if they. I don't remember them saying that. I don't think so. I think they just said that there were. They said that well, the two remaining are the two innermost. So then that would be the other two were at least a little further away. But I don't know if they were in the inhabitable zone. Well, if you think about that, Earth itself. If you go to Mars, it's poisonous. So. Technically, yep. have think one planet could do life right next to another planet. Don't seem that, don't seem that crazy to me. You know, right. a planet right yeah. next to us is poisonous. So, yeah, that's 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 actually very fair. Um, yeah. So Scotty calls uh, Kirk over, and he uh, says that one of the other guys uh, has something to say to him. I don't know why that guy didn't just talk, but uh, Washburn is the guy's name. He's like, hey, this 
This guy's got something to say. And Washburn reports that as far as he can tell, something crashed through the deflectors and knocked out the generators, and the antimatter and the warp pods have been deactivated. So would it just be matter at that time, or would it be pro-matter? It's just it's not empty anymore. It sounds like they got really lucky because uh, if antimatter comes in contact with regular matter, that's a big boom. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, um, so maybe maybe the, it, it was like a built-in system to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. It's like a fail-safe. Just everything yeah. just kind of shuts off or something. Or, I mean, in this show, they would have just time-traveled, I guess, because they everything leads to time travel anyway. That, that, that's um, true. Is antimatter a like a, a a discussed thing in science back in the sixties, seventies? Is that like a? It would have to. I, I believe so. Yeah. Mentioning it here, or is or is that all like super theoretical in a way of like just kind of sci- sci-fi nerd talk? And then we, you know, I'm just curious about how that, how that, how the idea of that works. I, I believe we can actually theoretically make an antimatter. It's just really hard. Mm, yeah, okay. you just. You have to find regular matter and then make it hate other matter, and then it becomes antimatter. <laughs> send it to work every day. Yeah, you just send it to work every day because it's send it to work every day. Eventually, that matter will become antimatter. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm blowing us up. Yeah, I'm done. Um, so Kirk asks if a dampening field uh, could do what happened to that ship, and uh, it would also account for the subspace interference. And Scotty says, uh, yeah, but he wonders, like, I mean, what kind of dampening field, you know, what could produce that? So uh, Deckard says that the whole thing must be a weapon. And he says that it was miles long with a maw that could swallow a dozen starships. So it has just a big old mouth. And uh, he says that it destroys planets and chops them into rubble. So Kirk questions. He's like, was it an alien ship or is it something alive? And Deckard says, I don't know. It's a little of both or maybe neither. And uh, he says that they saw it hovering over the fourth planet, slicing chunks out with a force beam. And uh, he says it was using a pure anti-proton beam. So uh, Kirk then gets a call from Spock. And Spock says that they can't contact Starfleet Command due to the subspace interference. And the logs report that the constellation was attacked by what appears to be a robot of immense size and power, whose function is to smash planets and digest the debris for fuel. So they really got a lot of uh, information out of these logs. For yeah. a guy that didn't doesn't know what the fuck is going on, Decker sure, sure knew what was going on. And um, also, nobody knows what a maw is, okay? Nobody uses the term maw. I want to clarify that right now. Like, he said maw for the mouth. He said, like, maw. Yeah. I was like, what is a maw? And I didn't realize the mouth until you just said that. Like, I, I, but, yeah. I, I put up, but I know now, I was like, what's a maw? Yep. He was trying it's, to sound all fancy. Yeah. Like mm. a dog maw. Like a mouth. Maw. Uh, <laughs> you just repeat dude, it, dude it's the words dude sometimes the language they use man it's like they use weirdest words sometimes i'm like who uses these words like i get it but paul you gotta bring it back yeah you paul, stiff just, neck thistle head i just said yeah yeah, thistle, yeah like that like these these random words i'm like yo what is a mall like i've never even heard term my entire life the word mall but I, you know i'm gonna classify that one i'm writing that down that's my new word word of the week <laughs> Hey, what that mall do? Mall. Jesus Christ, don't say it like that. You're going to get arrested. Don't say it like that. Oh, my God, mall. I'm taking that uh, one. Uh, shut your mall. What that mall do? Shut, yeah, your, shut mom. your mall. Shut, shut your mall. What? Yeah. Shut it. 
Oh my god, I'm having too much fun today. Uh, uh, so Cook wonders why this robot would even exist, and Spock's like, fuck if I know, dude. <laughs> I, I don't even know that one. Uh, which, I mean, is a good question. Like, what is, what is the purpose of this thing? But uh, he says that uh, Sulu computed, Spock says this, he says Sulu computed the path of the machine, and they found that it came from another galaxy. So they found that out really, really quickly and easily. And uh, on its present path, it you know will what? go through the most densely populated section of their galaxy. That, that's kind of a bullshit answer. Like, how could they figure that out so fast when we discover the the ship can maneuver however it wants to? Yeah. It's just, yeah, you know, we looked back at where it came from, and apparently it just came from another galaxy. Like, okay. Uh, so uh, Kirk hangs up as McCoy questions who would build that and why. And uh, Kirk asks if, uh, he asks Bones if he's ever heard of a doomsday machine, and Bones is like, well, no, he says he's a doctor, not a mechanic. <laughs> it's like, dude, <laughs> you don't have to be other things to have heard of other things. <laughs> he's like, Bones, have you ever heard of a doctor? Yeah, he's like, Bones, have you ever heard of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And he's like, no, I'm a doctor, not a chef. <laughs> chef. Like, dude, you, you can hear of other things. <laughs> like, Just being a doctor doesn't mean you're stupid to everything else. A doomsday <laughs> machine? What? What is that? What is that? <laughs> I've ever ever learned anything. <laughs> the only thing you've ever learned about is being a doctor. Nothing that's that's else. it. His whole life. His whole life. Oh. Uh, so uh, Kirk explains that uh, it's a weapon uh, built primarily as a bluff, and that it's never meant to be used because it would destroy both sides in a war. And he compares it to the hydrogen bomb, and he thinks that this was an old doomsday machine uh, that was used in uh, a war long ago. And uh, in my notes, I said, finally, an episode title that makes sense. After we get all these garbage <laughs> episode titles that have nothing to do with anything. The Changeling. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, we get we get one that's actually correct. The Changeling was, was the right yeah, one. They, I explained what the Changeling was. I know, but still, it was such a reach for a title. Well, and Kirk laid out a very plausible uh, scenario on where this weapon came from. Like, oh, yeah, people fighting, ancient yeah, civilizations. Yeah. Yep. So and then somebody made this thing, you know, it's their their big Doctor Manhattan, and then uh, they ended up having to use it. So, uh, so Decker gets mad about all the talking, and uh, he just wants to take some action. And McCoy wants him to go to the Enterprise, but he refuses to leave his ship. So Kirk says that there's no ship to leave. He's like, "It's a dead Hulk. There ain't shit here, dude." So uh, <laughs> Kirk then offers to uh, tow the Constellation. Uh, so Decker admits that he's he's upset because he's never lost a command before. And uh, he and McCoy leave, and and Kirk calls the Enterprise to get them ready to beam up. Which, what do you think happens if you lose your ship and your entire crew, and you're the only one alive? Are they just like, oh, no problem. Here's a new ship. Here's a new crew. Like, go on, do your thing. Or they get, like busted down to seeing like, that he's a higher up. They'll just sweep it under the rug and yeah. be like, we don't know what well, happened. In my experience, he will get promoted. Well, that's yeah, exactly. They're just gonna promote him out. Um, the weird thing here is, um, he's a Commodore though. That's not, that's what I'm yeah. a little confused about. Not a captain. So why right. is he in charge of a ship? Maybe he's like a working man's Commodore and he just didn't or, want to be a pencil pusher and he wants to be out yeah, there. Yeah. I, I don't know. He's the first Commodore I've seen in charge of a ship. The other Commodores have been like on missions on ships or whatever. And then took, took, char- took command. But like, he seemed like he, like he's in control of the ship. So I'm curious why he's the cat. Like he's that's there. That's a good the point. Captain. Yeah. Because I assume yeah, the captain would have had the Commodore go on the planet with the, everybody else while he sacrificed himself on the ship. Right. So, like, it's just weird. Like, I'm just curious why he's a Commodore and not a captain. 
Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's a really good question why a Commodore is uh, captaining a ship. But also his shirt has a really cool little logo on it on the where like the normal Starfleet logo is. He has like a, a pretty cool little swirly thing there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the reference to that. I didn't even look it up or nothing. Probably just his Commodore status or something. Um, so we go to a little bit later and the Enterprise is towing the Constellation as uh, I expect. I don't know why I expected them to have like a literal tow cable. Like now they're just using a tractor beam. I expect them to be like literally like <laughs> using a rope or something and just pulling the ship behind them. Of course it's going to be a beam. It would have worked just the same. It would have worked the same. It's not like they're going to get any resistance in space. It's fine. Uh but uh, McCoy and Decker uh, beam to the Enterprise uh, to see that they're on red alert again. So they go to the bridge as Spock is talking to Kirk uh, through the comm system saying that uh, something came up on them very quickly, uh, but they've managed to maintain their distance. And uh, on the screen, they show a big like metal worm-looking machine that's turning towards them, and then we go to a commercial break from there. So and it like, looks <laughs> really cool, by the way, too. Yes. Yeah, like, the, I'm not uh, sure if they, is... if they enhanced. It's got to be enhanced. Yeah, because we're watching the like, remastered one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Roger, Roger Mass, that had to be enhanced because it looked really good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I would like a really original design of a um something too, like it to be like long, like almost like a worm instead of like actually look like a ship, you know. And then I don't know, they have I don't know, just really cool design. I I liked it a lot. Oh, I, uh, I appreciated the simple design to it. Like it wasn't over the top. This um, this episode really benefited from the remastering process because I saw. Uh, original pictures of the constellation and it didn't look bad but you know it's old like physical model um, so it didn't look fantastic but like the current you know the remastered constellation all blown up looks really good but the uh, original doomsday machine actually did not look terrible um, like obviously it looks better in the remaster but it did not look too bad in the original version either mm. uh, very very similar I think it was a little bit lighter in color though um so yeah, we go to commercial, we come back, the machine is chasing the Enterprise as it tows the Constellation, and Spock is just giving readings to Kirk, and he says that the machine has some sort of total conversion drive and has no evidence of life, but subspace interference is incredibly high. And uh, Kirk asks about the chances of deactivating it, but Spock says that there is no chance. He says that the, the power of their nacelles, which is the two big long parts on the Enterprise, uh, like the big engine-looking guys, uh, it's a, it's attracting the machine and that they couldn't get close enough to attack it without drawing it onto them. And uh, he also thinks that it that they wouldn't be able to get access to the control mechanisms for that thing to shut it off anyway. So the, uh, the machine is approaching, so Kirk asks Spock to beam them back to the Enterprise. The machine fires an attack that shakes the Enterprise and knocks them away from the, the Constellation so they lost their toe. See, if they had a physical cable, they would have been fine. But nope, they went with the, the damn beam. And a good thing they're under red alert again, so uh, no one yeah. caught up, was caught off guard. Yeah. So uh, the crew reports that the transporter is out, and uh, Spock orders them to begin repairs as he tries to contact Kirk again. And uh, what I really like is, like, everything is just going to absolute hell, and Spock is just super calm about everything. Like, he's just, just straight vibing right there and just, like, getting getting everything done. Yeah, Spock's always like that, where he doesn't really lose his composure. He's always even killed. We haven't seen him uh, even be emotional except when he had the drugs. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little while, too. Um, but he's just like, he's, and not to get too ahead of myself, but he is extra cold in this episode. And I fucking, I loved every second of it. Like, it's just, <laughs> he's like just pure emotionless, like even more than normal. But uh, 
So Spock tells Kirk about the situation as uh, Palmer reports that the communications have been damaged and they suddenly lose contact with Kirk. Um, so they're trapped on separate ships and they cannot talk to each other. Uh, Kirk wants Scotty to try to get the Constellation moving again and Scotty goes to work on the impulse engines while Washburn and uh, Kirk get to work on their screen operation because they want to be able to see what is going on because for some reason there are no windows on the bridge. Uh which is weird because they're a dome on top of the ship. There are no windows on the bridge. Yeah, the the big Viewer. screen in front oh, of them is yeah, literally a screen. It. Yeah, they open it. It's like an actual screen. I I, I, I never it. really thought about there's no windows. I, I'd imagine you wouldn't have want to have windows going at you know warp speed. Uh, well, I mean the rest of the Enterprise has windows. What? Yeah. I mean, if you're going in a straight line, you know wherever you're going towards, though, that's where you'd be hitting stuff at, though. Yeah, yeah, but I assume they have a type of uh, glass that would be able to withstand. Yeah, they have space glass. Yeah, 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 space glass. I assume they would be. <laughs> they, they, they were, were resist, yeah, resist them. I assume that. So yeah, hmm, that's a good point. Well, I mean, they they use, I, I, uh, force I field windows. I guess they do got like a sense of force field, also. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. Then hmm. the the big screen and in, uh, in the bridge is literally just that. I, I think it's just like basically a big screen TV, and when they're looking out front, it's just like the view through a camera. Yeah, I, I assume the same thing. So I wonder why they can't view it through the through a window. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out eventually. I'm I'm assuming. So uh, we go back to the uh, Enterprise, and they are reporting no casualties, and uh, they continue to work to repair their broken systems. And uh, the machine starts uh, going towards the Rigel colony, I guess. And uh, Spock thinks that it's been programmed to ignore any small ship outside of a certain radius. So they plan to go back and pick up Kirk and the Constellation, but uh, Decker opposes because he's it turns out, is an asshole. And he says that they can't let the machine get to the Rigel system. So Spock is just like, hey, we're only one ship, and uh, m- most of our systems are screwed. And he says that their primary duty is to survive and warn Starfleet Command. So Decker argues that their primary duty is to preserve life, and uh, it's to the safety of the, the Federation of Planets. And his allegiance is to the Republic. So, you know, sorry, Star Wars reference. Uh, <laughs> this is a weird, like, <laughs> debate right here because, like, um, I'm just, I get both their points. But Decker's point would have been, like, what, well, what if you had fought him and died? Nobody would have knew about the ship and they would have, it would have just, it wouldn't kill him anyway. Right. You know, I just, I don't know. I just, well, you know, I, my I, problem- I, I thought, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, my problem was to seem like, how long would it really take to pick up Kirk and Scotty compared to getting back to, you know, the Doomsday ship? Like, they're not that far apart from each other right now. Like, hey, it'll take five seconds to go pick them up. No, 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 no. We got to go attack now. We have to attack now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for real. We we don't even know how far the Rigel system is. It could take multiple days. Yeah, or weeks. like, yeah, they didn't. Give, they didn't give us specify how long it would take them. You know, I'd figure things the, the, out. The, the one time you want them to give you like a countdown, like no, 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 we're not going to give a time frame. And honestly, who cares about the Rigel system? That's where, <laughs> that's where Pike and his people got beat up by the big caveman guy with the spear and all that, like the little medieval looking place. The dude oh, that, like, yeah, jumped yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, we, oh, we, we, who cares? Rigel system. Oh yeah. yeah. Nobody cares about Rigel. Not at all. Yeah, so uh, so Spock orders Sulu to go back to the constel- constellation, and uh, Decker then orders Sulu to attack the machine. And Spock's just like, "No, I'm I'm in charge. Go back to the constellation." 
so Decker uh, gives Spock official notification that he's exercising his option under regulations as Starfleet Commodore to take command of the Enterprise. Uh, Spock advises against Decker taking command, saying that he has tried to fight the machine before, and uh, as a result, uh, Decker has a wrecked ship and a dead crew. <laughs> I was just like, dear God, dude. Just, <laughs> just well, he's not wrong. Well, no, he's not wrong. Just, he needs to hear this. Yeah, he's just yes. like, you did this before. Your, sh- your ship before. is wrecked. He, he, your crew is yeah, dead. Everybody's <laughs> dead, bro. Like, this ain't, this ain't for you. Maybe, maybe yeah. this ain't the job for you anymore, sir. Yeah. Maybe go work at like Space McDonald's or something. But I like uh, how uh, Spock shows his uh, disagreement, but immediately follows orders afterwards. You know, yeah. because that Spock is a good guy, a, a good way to people view life where, you know, you don't just you, you don't agree with the dumb rule or whatever, what is going on. But you got to follow orders and you got to do what yeah. you're told. And Spock's yeah, he really called good. It out, right? but he called it out. But he's like, you know what? I know I have to do this, but I'm, I'm still calling out the issue, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, so do what I need to do. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, McCoy kind of, you know, was arguing on behalf of Spock, like, hey, you know, like this isn't right. Right. Yeah. And and Spock's like, hey, section blah blah blah. You can uh, uh, what was it like medically dis- discharge him? Yeah. Make him medically unfit. Make yeah, medically, medically unfit. unfit. And then right after where you know he's like, oh well, uh, I've got to do an examination yet. Okay. Well then, what? well he he's a captain. You know, I, just, I it, it was like. A, I was gonna say, I think in that scenario though, McCoy could have caught it right there because if you looked at. The Commodore's eyes, like you could tell, he was still not with yeah, it. Yeah, but they has to do examination first to justify that, which is another little subtle thing they written that was very clever too. Is like, oh, I can say this, oh yeah, but you can't back it up with a. Uh, it was Spock, Spock giving the idea, but like, no, hey, it's a good idea, but unfortunately, you need the paperwork to back it up. You know, so it was like it was very good banter between them in a way where everybody was kind of doing like it was Spock's logic with the with the Commodore's ridiculousness, you know, how crazy he was acting with Doc, with a uh, Doc being a Doc, Bones being a doc, and it was like very good banter between them. I tried to figure the situation out. I liked it a lot. But the the actor that played Decker did such a good job at no point did he look sane. No, <laughs> yeah, once yeah, they found yeah, him. Not at all. Yeah, he looked yeah, he looked dirty, he looked sweaty, he looked like he was out of it like yeah. That's what I, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yep. Um yeah, Decker says that uh, the last time they fought this thing, they were too far away, and that this time he's going to uh, hit it at point-blank range with full phasers. D- d- but, uh, does, does range really matter when it comes to fa- the phasers? Right? Do, do they lose, um, like, velocity over time in space? I, I, I don't think that's how it works, but I'm not an expert on phasers. Yeah, does, does velocity matter when you're shooting, like, a plasma bolt? Yeah, d- don't they go pretty much at, like, light speed? Yeah. So, that is very interesting. I don't know. He, he's he's just fucking crazy. Like we got we gotta get close. Uh, but uh, Spock replies that the sensors show that the machine is solid neutronium and that a single ship cannot fight against it. So uh, Decker then relieves Spock of command and threatens to relieve him of duty as well uh, if he does not vacate the captain's chair, uh, which Spock does. He vacates the captain's chair and Decker sits in that chair as uh, McCoy then uh, steps in, like you guys just discussed, and he. Uh, pleads with Spock to not let Decker take over. Uh, but Decker then tells McCoy that he's out of line. And uh, McCoy's just like, well, you're out of line too, which is not a great comeback. Uh, he needs to he needs to work on that a little bit. But I, I really like Bones' character a lot of times because he acts more like a civilian than uh, an officer. Yeah, he's very emotionally driven. Like he just, whereas Spock is all just logically driven, 
uh, McCoy is just emotionally driven, like and driven by you know morals and and trying to be decent and all that. You got to notice how Decker sits on the um the captain's chair too, like he's sitting on a throne. You know, he's yeah. like leaning back a little like bit, a size in there, yeah. like yeah, you know, like yeah, like you know what it is. Shit, where's my I'm captain. I'm captain. I'm the captain now. <laughs> He just, he just sitting back, chilling out, <laughs> like, like, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> like, that's exactly how the look he had on there. Seriously, like, he's leaning back. His arms are there. He's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, go follow orders. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, so Spock tells McCoy that uh, if he could certify Decker medically or psychologically unfit for command, then he would... Spock would be able to relieve Decker under Section C of their regulations. And McCoy's just like, well, all right, I'll do that right now. But Spock's like, well, you know, you have to uh, – your your medical records have to prove that he would be psychologically or medically unfit. And McCoy's like, well, I haven't even had time to run an examination on Decker. And Spock replies that in that case, uh, McCoy's statement would not be considered valid. Do, do you think Bones could have argued uh, the stuff that he shot Decker up with would make him uh... – not worthy to be at command. Like, hey, I just like, shot up a bunch of... under the influence uh, of some shit that I uh, gave you forcefully. Yeah, I, I gave him a bunch <laughs> of drugs just like five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Because, like, if it was adrenaline to bring him back, then he's got to be all amped up right now, you know? So he, just, he uh, might not be fit just go. for that reason. Yeah. So, uh... So Decker tells McCoy, uh... He's like, hey, you may leave the bridge. And, uh, Like, doesn't even... It's funny because... He doesn't tell McCoy to leave the bridge, and he doesn't ask him to to leave the bridge. He just says, "You may leave the bridge." <laughs> like you, oh, you thank can get you, out my of captain. Here. <laughs> yeah. Like once again, I'm the captain now. You yeah. may leave the bridge. Yeah. Like he just he's very disrespectful to Bones. Yeah. Uh, All Bones out of, McCoy, out of uh, McCoy asks. He's he's begging Spock. He's like, "Will you do something?" And Spock does not. And uh, I I really actually I really enjoyed that entire scene. It was very well written dialogue, very well acted. And uh, just just a great scene overall. So uh, Decker is the captain, and he orders them to go after the machine. And so they set a course to go after it. Uh, so we go back to the Constellation, and uh, Kirk gets a call from Scotty saying that the impulse engine's uh, controls are fused solid. So Kirk wants to know if uh, the warp drive controls work. And uh, Scotty says that he can cross-connect them, but that it would be impossible for one man to handle. Um much like they, uh, well, Kirk's like they, I'm the Kirk, so we we got this. Yeah, he he is the Kirk, and from what I've learned from movies, is that if it's impossible for one man to do, one man is going to do it. And if you've ever seen Pacific Rim, you know one one man is going to do it <laughs> every every damn time. Yeah, well, every time one guy figures it out, it's the movie thing. We know how it is. It works. They figure it out. Yep. So, uh, so they get back to work on their tasks, and we go back to the Enterprise. Uh, as it goes for the machine and uh, the machine fires at them and Spock is like, hey, we have to retreat. But uh, Decker refuses and wants them to get closer. And then they show us a shot of like the ship flying at the machine. Why the fuck did they decide to fly at its mouth? Like, why didn't they attack it from the sides <laughs> or like from the back? They're like, you know what? We're going to go from right there where it fires its weapon. No, they were saying that the skin was made out of some kind of metal. That scheme was made of some kind of metal stuff. They were saying that neutral, all neutral, whatever. So maybe they knew their phasers couldn't affect that at all. 
Yeah, but like, why are you going to stand in like the barrel of its weapon? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you could approach it from more like a side approach and like maybe swing around to the front and shoot it in the mouth or something. I don't know. Yeah. Just don't fly directly at it. But uh, we go back to the Constellation again, and uh, they're ready to get everything powered up. And uh, Kirk gets his screen working, and he sees the Enterprise on screen attacking the machine uh, with absolutely no effect. So Spock, again, on the Enterprise, recommends withdrawal, but Decker orders them to continue firing. So we're going really back and forth here. Um, And Kirk, back again on the Constellation, tries to contact the Enterprise with no luck as uh, Scotty is trying to get them engine power. And it's really just like this kind of like amped up scene like everything's just moving so quickly yep. like just real it real is. quick back and forth and it, it's really good and uh, like they, they really did a good job of like setting the tone of urgency in these quick switches back and forth and like with the music that they use in oh the, the music almost kind of reminded me of like the jaws music a little bit yeah, yeah. um so uh the machine hits the enterprise with another blast and it destroys their deflector shields and damages their main energizers uh, this is where we lose count of deaths because they report severe casualties on decks three and four, and some uh, they had an inner hull rupture. So again, what are what is severe in a ship with four hundred people? Did they lose two hundred? Did they lose a hundred? Did they lose three hundred and fifty-five? We just in don't fairness, know. So this isn't going against Kirk though. This is more on a uh, Decker losing oh, yeah, this more is people Decker for sure. Yeah, like, my he, exact he, words. For multiple hundreds of <laughs> yeah, people my exact words. Point. I'm about to say, well, what is this on Kirk this time? This is on this is on Decker over here. Yeah, you got 100 of, my, 100 of our guys killed, 50 of our guys killed, and then got 400 zone team killed. Stop him. He's done now. He did it there, now. There are no amount of bodies he will not throw at this thing to solve <laughs> yeah. his problem. He hit the quota already. They're not his. You, ne- you notice that he never say injuries, though. Like, oh, hey, several casualties, like yeah. 50 injuries. Everybody is just immediately dead. It doesn't matter how light the injury. Like, <laughs> you got like a paper cut. Wait, does oh, he's does dead. the term casualty mean death or doesn't like the term casualty mean death for sure? Yeah, I, like believe, the, I believe they're, the they are dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. I was curious. Okay. And they had an inner hull breach, so that's that's not good. Some of those people likely got sucked out into space. Ah, <laughs> sucked out in space. Just terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But no, no, never any injuries. It was like, oh, and we t- we took a big hit. Johnson stubbed his toe. He's dead. He's dead. Unfortunately, couldn't <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> make dead. it. <laughs> we do not have the technology to save him. We just ejected him out the airlock. He's just holding his toe the whole time. <laughs> He's like, this is still more painful than having no air. <laughs> yeah. um, so the uh, machine stops firing and uh, suddenly holds the Enterprise in a tractor beam. And Spock concludes that they are being pulled into the machine. And uh, he tells Decker that they must veer off. So Decker orders Sulu to maintain phaser fire, which is not doing anything. And Spock warns that uh, they only have about 60 seconds to break free from the tractor beam before it's going to be too late for them to power out of it. So we did get a bit of a time crunch, but it's it's nothing insane. Like, it actually fits this. Um, yeah, they, they do they time in there toward the end. They do it on there. I didn't mind it because it fit the whole agenda. Yeah, it, 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 it actually worked in this episode. Part, so, yeah, it's not yeah. just like arbitrary. We have seven hours to do this. It's like, no, dude, we got about a minute and then we're too close to get out. Yeah. So uh, Decker wants to destroy the machine, obviously, but Spock says that that's illogical and it would be suicide. And he says that attempted suicide would prove that Decker is psychologically unfit for command. And he threatens to relieve Decker if he doesn't veer off. And so Decker's like, son of a bitch. That's that's a you good one. Me. You got me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's get, get out of this. Uh, so Sulu says that uh, they don't have the power to escape now and that they're being pulled inside of the machine. And that's when we go to a commercial break as the Enterprise is being pulled into the machine. And God damn it, this episode is so good. <laughs> that's, that's what my note says here. So this episode <laughs> is <Agreed>. stupid good. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. 
so Kirk watches on his screen as the Enterprise gets pulled in, and Scotty tells him that uh, they have just enough power to move the Constellation. So Kirk orders them to go full ahead, and then like the ship just kind of lurches forward, and they get thrown around, and we get a really good shot of outside as the ship like is just kind of coming to life and like sputtering forward. I, you know, that kind of reminded me of my first car <laughs> trying to get it to kill me. <laughs> going, like, like, come on, you can do it. <laughs> this whole episode has a lot of CGI scenes in it that are really good. Yes, like I know yes, they did it, oh, did it once over, but like they did like it was a very good use of the remastering, like. Every time you see the Enterprise, I'm thinking everything looks really good and smooth. So I really appreciate this episode. I might try to find this one in its original version and see uh, and just watch through it all and just kind of see what that looked like. I, yeah, I bet at the time, though, the, it was groundbreaking uh, visually. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah it always, it's always been that way, though. I think a lot of sci-fis have always been uh, groundbreaking for CGI. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, the Enterprise continues to try to escape to no avail as Kirk steers the Constellation toward them. And Scotty mentions that he has one phaser bank recharged and uh, that gives Kirk an idea. So uh, they fire their phasers at the machine to draw attention to themselves. And uh, the machine releases the M- Enterprise to go after the Constellation. So Decker orders them to fire phasers again. And uh, so they attack the machine to draw its attention on back to them. He's like, hey... You know, Kirk got us free, and now it's our turn to repay the favor. So uh, Spock concludes that the machine has a defensive field and that any energy entering that field is subject to attack. So basically it's got, like, just a big surrounding energy and that anything that comes into that alerts the uh, machine to its presence and the machine is, like, programmed to go after it. Um, Decker wants a status report, and Spock reports that their warp drives will be out for a solar day and that they're working on the transporter and communications. So Sulu reports that uh, it's closing, that the machine is closing in on them again, and it's consuming planetary debris to refuel itself, which is an incredibly efficient design. <laughs> I think just literally yeah, eats it planets to keep itself going. Uh, yeah, that's very. How do they, uh, they get that thing in testing? Like after they built this thing, how did they test that? It's <laughs> well, like, well, we need to we, sacrifice the planet. <laughs> I have a couple questions. Do we know it's a machine yet? For sure, because yeah, it could be a mechanical life form. Like, like, if we, if like, think, if I think in sci-fi terms, this could be a natural thing that just occurred. It's a natural, like a natural thing. It's not a machine. Like they're doing a lot. Of, it's a lot of guesswork for the because they, they 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 think that they know what it is at the time, you know. But right. maybe it could be a biological, uh, like computer type machine. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. They 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 did their scans and shit, but it could. Yeah. This thing could be like a whole. There could be a whole race of these things in whatever race, galaxy yeah. it came from. Yeah, yeah, which would be insane <laughs> in itself. So I would just, just you know, just big old space worms out there eating, just eating planets eating, and shit, just <laughs> eating stuff. Because I, I liked how um, it used matter for gas too. Like that was really cool yeah. of them. Like a really smart design of the way they thought of the character to keep it going on. Like oh, just right. eats planets and gets turn conversing conversing the ant matter to so eats matter to keep going. I just it was really cool. Yeah. All I know is uh, I don't want to come across the race of aliens that made that thing if they're still around. Right. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, dude. yeah for real. It could have. Well, when, oh, I guess it was American. They would know what it was if they knew it was American. Huh? They would actually know what it was. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> but what was the? What would be the point of the the actual weapon though? I don't get that. Like, uh, well, the, what they talked about earlier that it was um, basically supposed to be a threat to like whatever. 
like if you and I are at war and uh, the mm-hmm. arms race is just getting crazier and crazier and you develop this big weapon, you're like, look, if this doesn't stop, I'm going to use this thing and it's just going to kill us all. Then I would I would definitely need to stop because I don't want yeah. like the, the point is for me to be oh, okay. the victor. But if there is no victor, then, yeah, it's just yeah, a, a deterrent. That. It's it's Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen. It is a nuclear deterrent. Deterrent. Okay. Except, except uh, in this scenario, it, uh, it didn't bring everyone together. Yeah, no, it definitely did not. Well, it did bring them together inside of itself, so physically well, it brought that, them that, together. <laughs> Momentarily before it uh, consumed them or burned them up for fuel, I guess. Um, so, uh, oh my God, could you imagine the view from the 400 people on the planet as that thing is just breaking that planet apart? That would be terrifying. I mean, exactly also that's the best way to go, though. Yeah, dude, that's exactly my thoughts. I was like, "Yo, I really, I really would, I could see that, like the the whole concept of that planet getting sucked up by that machine. I thought it'd be really cool." Yeah, like you're on the ground of this planet, and you look up, and like that thing just encapsulates the entire sky. Like that's all you can see because yeah. it's so massive. And he's just sucking, just, and you see like the the planet like breaking apart and sucking it in slowly. Yeah, oh, that'd be that'd that would be, be a crazy, crazy visual for like an episode. Yeah, for real. Man, if it was if this episode was made nowadays, we probably would have oh, yeah. gotten that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, definitely. yes, yeah, definitely would have. Uh, so Spock says that they can only maintain their current speed for seven hours before they run out of fuel. So it's the first time we really deal with a fuel issue for a starship. And how do they refuel that? Is there just like space gas stations and they just pull up <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, I need like eight hundred million credits on pump four. <laughs> like, just go. I'm gonna assume these are turned power plant earlier, so I'm assuming that they got some kind of Thinking that it just naturally makes a un uh, dang it the fuel source or whatever re- re- refuel yeah. refuelable fuel source. Can we turn right didn't now? they Get use the some kind of didn't they call them like a dilithium crystal or something like that? that they oh yeah 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 use? yeah yeah you'll need a little bit of it to uh, power the ship for a long time. Remember remember that in that one yeah. episode for that one planet. Yeah, boy, they picked a the wrong time to to not fuel up. <laughs> They're heading into this. I'm assuming that they shut down for a while and it just like recharges stuff up too after a while. I'm assuming that they got some kind of battery charger type system in there. Yeah, because like how are you going to send a ship out for five years with no clue how it's going to refuel itself? It would have to go back to port at some point, I guess. They might need a matter, uh, a matter convert to energy type thing where they can just get matter and convert it to convert to energy. My guess is every planet that they bring into the Federation, they put some type of like fueling station on that planet. Yeah, okay. we could. So you wouldn't well, we'll have to that. constantly backtrack to uh, Earth or whatever, you know, the main headquarters of the uh, the Federation is at. Well, we so basically, oh. the Federation what? is just a space oil company, and they're just taking over planets and putting their gas stations everywhere. <laughs> that, that is one way to look at it, yes. <laughs> have we seen any space stations yet? I, I think we've seen, like, one, right? At least one or two. We, but, we saw, uh, like, a destroyed one in the, the episode of the Romulans. Yeah, but I well, can't remember of one of one being like th- no. Yeah, like there a, was a, that episode where uh, uh, Kirk went to that planet and they were like repairing the ship, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of an? Uh, I might be thinking of Lower Decks. Damn it! Oh yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen one yet. I, I could be. Yeah, my, so I'm uh, curious. I haven't seen any like pl- like an actual uh, place uh, space PlayStation. Wow, <laughs> space station. <laughs> space uh, PlayStation. A space station like, built well, like somewhere where they can like PlayStations in the future. On. Star Trek, yeah, Star Trek eighty five, uh, PlayStation eighty five. Yeah, you just it, it just goes right in your arm. Hit a button and just 
They only manufacture the one. Everybody's fighting over it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Decker, uh, he wants to just continue fighting, uh, go back to fight this thing. But Spock says that they need to go get Kirk and the others and then leave the subspace interference to warn Starfleet Command. And uh, Palmer reports that they can contact Kirk again. So they do that. Uh, Kirk tries to, or Spock tries to talk to Kirk, but Decker refuses to let him speak. And uh, instead, he's like, I'm just going to call Kirk myself. So uh, Kirk is understandably angry about his ship, and he wants to talk to Spock, and Decker's just not going to let him. And then Kirk uh, berates Decker for almost destroying the Enterprise. He's like, what the hell are you doing with my ship, dude? And uh, he wants to he, speak to Spock. He's not worried about the crew, though. He's only worried about the yeah, ship. He's, <laughs> so, oh, so you're like, the idiot that did not did, did ask this how many thing. people died or anything. He's like, he's not like, is everybody okay? He's like, is my ship all right? Uh, that's my yeah, baby. That, that's my... Tr- that's my only true love. <laughs> yeah. I'm in control here and I will give all the orders, Captain. I'm in charge. It's me, Matt Decker. I'm in charge. Yes, do you know who I am? I'm Matt <laughs> Do you know who I am? He's like, oh. He's like I'm Matt you know motherfucking who my father Decker. Is? <laughs> do you know who my father is? I'm Matt Decker. <laughs> I'm Matt Decker. Man, this dude, like, he's such a great actor. I, I I hate him so much. He's such a great actor. Like, he did a, he did a very good job of making me hate him because he did his job right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kirk just, he wants to talk to Spock, but uh, Decker pulls rank, and he's like, hey, if you want to say something to him, you got to say it to me. So uh, Kirk is like, okay, get my ship to safety. And uh, he asks Spock for the uh, ship status, and Decker allows Spock to at least report that. And uh, Kirk tells them to take evasive action, but Decker is like, nope, we're just going to go attack instead. Uh, So Kirk is like, all right, Spock, relieve Decker. And Decker obviously argues against it, but uh, Spock is like, no, no, you are relieved of command. Uh, So Decker says that he does not recognize Spock's authority to relieve him. And Spock is like, well, listen, you can file a formal protest with Starfleet when we reach a starbase, but you are relieved. And he threatens to arrest Decker, who uh, resists but uh, Spock's like, all right, guards, like, let's let's get ready to grab this guy. And Decker's like, okay, fine, like the bridge is yours. Uh, I I, I, I want to get Spock, out of this chair. I wanted Spock to do that scene from Good Will Hunting, like, uh, how do you like those apples? And yeah, you know. like that. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was gonna do the Vulcan grip on him. I, I thought he hit him. Oh, with I grip. know. That's what I was expecting too. I thought yeah, Decker I thought was hit, gonna try to fight him. Yeah, hit him with the grip real quick. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Spock sends Decker to have his medical exam and uh, has him escorted out by a, uh, a single security guard. And uh, then Spock orders them to change course back to the Constellation. So we go to the corridor and Decker, surprise, surprise, fights the security guard. And uh, they have a the decent security little guard fight. handled himself pretty yes, well, though. The, the yes. most competent security guard we have seen in this series. Like, the dude yeah. to legit fight. He does. Uh, but he does eventually mistake. Lose. Yeah. Yep. He gets knocked. They even had like their little karate poses, and you know, yeah, just... it was very, very cornerly cool. Like it was, like I enjoyed the fight a lot, and I know I'm complaining yeah. about the fights. I actually enjoyed this one. Yeah, surprisingly good, and I'm actually glad and surprised that they managed to give it so much time in this episode, where like so much is happening all the time. Yep. They so were much like, going on, but just a quick like... minute fight scene. Yep. There's so much going on that you didn't even think think about that, and they throw it in there. You're like, "Oh yeah, I guess nobody has fought this episode, huh?" And then you see that you're like, "Oh, yeah. it's my fighting," you know. It, it would have been funny, like if a human walked by, like turned around, like, "Nope, not my problem." Yeah, I'm not not doing <laughs> that. <laughs> what's going What's going on over here? Like, nope. Yeah. Um. 
Then we get a really weird scene or like a couple of shots of Decker just sneaking around a little bit and you don't really know where he's going, but he just finds a door and he goes in that door. And uh, we go back to the constellation where Kirk is talking to Scotty through the comm system and uh, Scotty has gotten the shields up for now and they have uh, one third of their impulse power. So uh, Kirk calls Spock to set up a rendezvous with the Enterprise so they can get off of that ship. Uh, but we go to the Enterprise hangar, and Decker has stolen a shuttle and uh, flies away from the ship. And on the bridge, Sulu informs Spock that there is a ship leaving, or there's a shuttle leaving the ship. But it's too late for them to do anything about it. They can't close the doors or anything. Uh, it was really easy for him to get that that shuttle too. Like, <laughs> yeah, but the keys I, laying around. I, I gave that pass really quick because I thought he's a he's a Commodore. I assume yeah, he has some fair. kind of access type card to whatever. And I assume they, and I assume that all ships are designed the same, so I assume oh, yeah. he moves around pretty easily. So that's the, yeah. the, the, the I thought it was kind of easy myself. I was like, you know what? Hold back up. Let's be real. Like he's everything's probably the same, so he probably just went through. He's just a speed thing and get through. Well, it's not like so. Spock sent out an order saying that you know Decker was relieved of his command either. Like he just left the bridge, so nobody would knew that uh, he still wasn't in charge. Yeah, but right. like. I, I wonder how long that was because he'd never verify like, hey, uh, uh, Bones, sorry, <clears throat> hey Bones, uh, he, uh, we got a guy coming through for a test or like that. He really didn't tell Bones nothing. I thought that was kind of right. strange. He didn't contact Bones, to let him know he was on his way. Yeah, that uh, he probably just assumed that the guard is going to take him there and that you know he's yeah. going to show up and the guard will be like, hey, this guy is here for an examination. But but yeah, he had other pressing things to worry about, like uh, yeah. getting away from a planet eating machine, I guess. <laughs> so uh so kirk notices the shuttle on his screen and he asks spock about it and uh they try to contact the shuttle uh i did not think decker was going to answer but he does answer their call and uh, spock is like hey bro i miss you can you come back and uh decker says that he's gonna run the shuttle down the machine's throat he's gonna pull an independence day yep he's back I'm uh, i like this part <laughs> i like this idea but i kept thinking like don't they have like batteries or bombs something they can place on some and then do this right like isn't there something they can like they, like they can go inside and put them inside and then explode them from the inside like i thought that would be something that they could put on the shuttle to do they could have gone to that back to that planet and gotten those exploding rocks and just loaded them up in that <laughs> shuttle and just <laughs> sent it down that load, load them up, yeah load them up in there then, fill up the whole Marvel ship of rocks come running over the hill and go rocks just, just so we all know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Kirk just tries to uh, dissuade Decker from uh, killing himself, but Decker says that, or he's he's just set on avenging his crew, and uh, he says that he was responsible for their deaths and that he should have died with them. So he's given us a whole Lieutenant Dan. He's like, I should have died on that beach with my men. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of had uh, respect for him though at this point. Like hated him, but. He's he's going through some shit right now, so yeah, yeah he's trying to redeem but himself. Death, see, but his death is just stupid now. Like this is a stupid death. Like I get I, uh, him feeling like his he should die with the crew. Unfortunately, he didn't die with them. He's still alive now. Now, now all the information, information he has, like he said, uh, like Kurt told him in a second, dude. Everything you know is valuable. Everything you like, we're actually bet people are better off with you without you. You left you left the whole the whole um enterprise system, uh and and uh and less strength because they don't have the information in your head now or somebody of your caliber. Like I get hey, the point. But unfortunately, like, guilt, man. Yeah. But dude, it's been, yeah, he's he, I would have killed himself a long, why did he kill himself a long time ago then? Why are you still alive right now? 
Well, he's only been alive for like another half hour. So no, no, it's been a while since then. No, that that distress call no came a long time ago. What I'm saying is, like, he he was he fell asleep on the ship. If he wanted to kill himself so bad, he could have been dead when we got there. Like he was still in shock. Yeah, he, he was still in shock about. It. <laughs> yeah, like he literally had to get injected with something. Otherwise, he was just he was just going to sit there and starve to death, I guess. Yeah, and he he didn't have the means to do anything, and he was still in shock. And then McCoy fucking shoots him up with whatever he shoots him up with, and he just goes on a murderous rampage. And, and wants to kill himself. The drugs made him suicidal too. Drugs made him suicidal on everything. Yeah. See what he did? Yeah, yeah. Made he he never lost those suicidal. crazy eyes. No, yeah. yeah, he maintained crazy eyes the whole damn episode. Um, so yeah, Kirk and Spock uh, continue to try to stop Decker from killing himself, but Decker turns off his comms and he just flies into the machine to die. And we go to a commercial break. So we come back and uh, we haven't got we didn't get any captain's logs in this, which was pretty crazy. You um, didn't notice the shuttle had windows, right? I just want to clear tell you guys about that. Yes. Yep. So the cap the ship don't have windows, but the shuttle has windows. Yep. Uh, did the I don't think the shuttle had windows in the Galileo Seven though. That one did not have windows. Newer model. Yep. <laughs> uh, so uh, Spock calls Kirk to offer condolences on the death of his friend. He's like, I understand now is not really the time, but I'm sorry that your friend killed himself right in front of you. And uh, Sulu uh, then notes that there was a drop in the machine's power, and they think that the explosion of the shuttle may be the cause, but that the power drop isn't enough to make a significant difference in anything that's happening. And I, I knew where they were going with this. And I knew where it was going to go as soon as they got to the dead ship. Like it was very predictable in the beginning yeah, of this yeah. episode, but it didn't. As, it as didn't soon make as the it, episode, I thought yeah. they would like load the ship up with a bunch of moms or something. And I mean, same same idea. I thought it yeah, load up, it didn't, put it a didn't bunch hurt of uh, my enjoyment of this up. at all. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. Uh, so uh, Palmer informs Spock that the transporter is operational, and Kirk opts to have himself and Scotty stay behind on the Constellation. Scotty's like, well, thanks for volunteering me, asshole. <laughs> and uh, he's going to send the damage control crew uh, back to the Enterprise. So uh, Spock tries to get Kirk to come back, uh, but Kirk seems like he has a plan, and he tells Spock to carry out his orders. He's like, you know, do what I told you to do, get those people out of here. And so Spock does that. And uh, Kirk thinks that Decker might might have had the right idea, but maybe just not enough power. And uh, he asks Spock, he's like, hey, is it is it right that uh, we would get a fusion explosion of 97 megatons if a Starship impulse engine overloaded? And Spock says, no, it would be 97.835 megatons. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, like, of course, I get the exact number. Like, yeah, yeah. the point eight three five uh, really matters here. You know, it's for close. Context, Don't do that to me. For context on the explosion that they're talking about here, uh, the largest bomb blast ever recorded was on October 30th, 1961, and it was from a thermonuclear bomb called the Tsar Bomba, which was tested and built by the Russians, and it measured at 50 to 58 megatons. And the blast wave from that circled the globe three times. And how big was the explosion they're going to do uh, wow. in episode uh, 97? 97 megatons, yeah. Yikes. The shock wave for that so would so just like 40, be 40 megatons more. So like almost the double sh- what that the was. Shock, the shock wave for that for be, should be Bubba Fett like. So yeah. <laughs> Bubba Fett ship like. So I just they, but they don't have shock waves in this um thing that often. And it's uh, yeah, show that much. Well it's, it's hard it's hard to have a shock wave of air moving when there ain't no air to move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They actually got yeah, it right point. then. Yeah. Yes. So that's what, how you think how it would explode? Like it would just explode and it'd be nothing, no sound, no nothing? Or how would it work? 
Uh, I don't think there would... Can you even... You can't get an explosion in space, right? Because there's no... I, I wonder if there would be some type of explosion in the doomsday ship because it's. We need oxygen for fire, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I forget what the rule is for that kind of thing in yeah. space. Um, Nerd talk. That. Yeah. I, I don't remember what it is uh, as far as like explosions in, in space. I don't think you could. Could you detonate something in space and have it explode? But like the effect wouldn't really be the same because the issue with explosions are that like when something explodes it forces the air surrounding it like away from it and that's why everything gets blown away but there is no air in space there'd so, be like, no shock could, wave well, yeah maybe, like the that, force would still push around the parts there but if you're like, in a ship maybe, and a bomb went off that there'd be a pressure jo- drop that's what you'd be that's what you would hear well and well, if you're in a ship that has life support it has oxygen so you could right. explode something internally but could you explode something in space why don't we know mm. this? We all like sci-fi. Yeah, I, no love, I fucking love space. Or anti, maybe it's, they're antimatter or matter bombs. Maybe and they use or something like that. Use matter explosions, like using like small matter explosions rather than bomb, like huge bombs. I'm not sure. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah I don't mm. know. Maybe that's why they use plasma ship because like conventional uh, ammunition doesn't do anything. Oh. I mean, it would still I, it would it could still puncture. I guess. But yeah, but I, I don't yeah, know. Without, yeah, I'm curious now. Yeah, I'll learn. I'll learn later. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Kirk wonders if uh, it would destroy the machine if they enacted his plan, and Spock says no, because it's made of pure neutronium, and nothing can blast through that. So, Kirk asks, "Well, what if we blasted it from the inside?" And Spock says that there he doesn't have sufficient data for that, and uh, he's going to go take some more sensor readings. And uh, Kirk then calls Scotty, who tells him that the damage control crew have beamed back to the Enterprise, and uh, Kirk asks if. Scotty can set the impulse engines to overload, and Scotty says that he can, and he's like, well, with the shape that we're in, it's really hard to keep them from not blowing up. So, <laughs> like, I'm already ahead of you on this one. <laughs> yeah, like, we're, we're barely not exploding right now. Uh, so Kirk said he wants a 30-second delay detonation device that can be blown from wherever he is, uh, from, from where he is. Uh, Spock then calls to say that he can't get a reading from the inside of the machine because of uh, its hull, and he warns that Kirk is getting close to the planet killer. Kirk's like, yeah, I, no shit. Like, I, I can kind of see that. Spock's really good at stating the obvious, too. Um, so Kirk says that uh, he's going to get closer, and uh, when it, then he's going to ram the ship down the uh, machine's throat. And uh, Spock's like, well, you're going to die just like your friend did. And uh, Kirk says, he's like, no, nah, it's good. I'm rigging up a device, and... Uh, Spock warns him that he's only going to have 30 seconds to beam them off the ship before it explodes. And uh, Spock doesn't like Kirk's odds of survival, but Kirk is confident because he's, he's, he's the like, Kirk. He's like, you never tell me the odds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he always tells him the <laughs> Dear God, you you think Spock and 3PO would be friends? Oh, they, they would be the best buddies. <laughs> Just constantly like quoting statistics and odds to each other. <laughs> That'd be enjoyable. Uh, so, uh, so Spock also notes that the transporter isn't fully operational and 30 seconds is a very slim timing. Uh, but Kirk says that he's willing to chance it. And then he just hangs up on Spock for what may be the last time they ever speak. <laughs> just like, <laughs> not even like, thanks for being my friend or, you know, I enjoyed serving with you. He did say you. Kirk just, out a lot this time. He did. Yeah. This episode. Yeah. He, just hang he up still on hangs up. Yeah. He says Kirk out though. He's like, he Paul, that's how out. you should hang up on. That's how we, you should hang up on people. We have like, been out. over this. If, if we are having a phone conversation and the conversation is ending 
It is proper etiquette for both sides to say goodbye or something. You, I don't say bye and then just hang up. The, for now on, if I talk to these guys on the phone, no. you guys get you guys get Paul out for now on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, Paul yeah. Out. All right, Paul, Paul out. out. Scotty arrives and shows Kirk how to arm the detonator because he rigged up a, a system on the little control panel right in front of them. And uh, Kirk has Scotty beamed to, to the Enterprise so he doesn't have to stay there and potentially die as well. But they have a little trouble getting Scotty on board uh, the Enterprise, but they do eventually get to him. And it, Scotty's a fucking G because, like, He's like, damn, that took a second to get me through. I know what's wrong. And, like, he goes to start fixing it. <laughs> like, he comes through and starts berating that tech. He's like, what you do, you fucking idiot? And the guy's like, I don't know. This just this thing ain't working. And Scotty's like, I know what it is. And he just goes to fix the thing. Scotty might be, like, the MVP of this episode. Yeah. But it's, like, it's... I love how well he knows the ship. Like, he's the kind of guy that when you start the engine to your car, like, he immediately tells you what's wrong of it just, just by hearing it. He's like, I know that that needs to be replaced. You can hear it. If say uh, Kirk was going to retire, should Scotty be the captain? Seeing as he knows the ship as well as Kirk probably does, or loves the ship as much as Kirk does, would he be the logical choice? Well, he's the technical guy, but does he have like the leadership ability? Because you well, have we to have a guy Scott, that's got both. Go later. We've nah. seen him in charge a few times though, when Spock and Kirk went down to a planet, and he and was the left whole in charge. crew was drunk. Uh, the whole crew was drunk the whole time <laughs> he was in charge. The whole time. <laughs> he was like, no, uh, alcohol in hand at all times. You know, it's a little different when Scotty's in charge. Well, then yeah, he'd be a great captain. Morale would be fantastic. They'd never get anything done, <laughs> but everybody would want to serve on that ship. <laughs> So uh, Spock warns Kirk of the transporter issue, but Kirk just tells him he's basically he's like, get it figured out. Like, I got I got stuff to do. And, and Scotty is is working on this. And uh, Kirk steals the con- steers the constellation towards the machine as Scotty informs the bridge that the transporter is operational. But his patchwork fi- fix is not going to last very long. Uh, so Spock then uh, informs Kirk of the situation with the transporter and all that, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Kirk's like, all right, just prepare to uh, to beam me aboard here. Um, so Kirk uh, continues toward the machine, and he arms a detonator, and he's like, all right, guys, beat me out. And uh, they try to, but the transporter shorts out, and it's just a big puff of smoke right there. Uh, so Kirk then calls again. He's like, all right, guys, it's, it's not funny now. Like you, you can get me out of here. And this was so well done, because actually, this time I actually felt like the crunch of the time. Yes. Yeah. You for once, like we had this, uh, like very immediate time limit and, uh, like, you know, he's not going to die, but even knowing that it still felt like he could possibly die yeah, during this. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same it way. It would have been amazing if he did, if he just fucking flies <laughs> into the thing and he just burns up and that's the end of the series. Maybe I'll make an edit like that. It just goes right into the thing and he's done. Then we'll finally uh, get to see a Kirk funeral for sure this time. Yeah. We'll finally see a Starfleet funeral. Yeah, a real one. Well, no, they wouldn't have a body, I guess. <laughs> he's just he's just dead. Uh, but Spock says that they can't get him out because of the uh, malfunction of the transporter. Uh, Scotty continues to work in a tube. He's just in a fucking tube and stuff's like sparking and you know, everything's lighting up and being crazy. And uh, Spock's like, well, did you try inverse phasing? Like, did you try turning it off and back on again? To which Scotty <laughs> just does not reply. <laughs> he's like, don't tell me. He's like, shut up, dude. You know, you know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, on the bridge, Sulu starts a countdown to detonation from 16 for some reason. He picked a really odd number, but he started with 16. And uh, Scotty tells the uh, transport tech to try it again. And uh, Sulu reaches four seconds uh, until explosion and Kirk gets uh, beamed out of there. So the uh, the constellation goes into the machine and explodes. And it 
I expected the machine to get blown to pieces, but they literally just like disabled it. Like it just it stopped yeah, working. It, yeah, which, like which uh, cool. shut down. Almost like it just shut down the shutdown inside. Yeah. Yeah. So they should be able to go capture that. I, well, I was yeah. expecting it to blow apart because it looked like it was getting ready to fire its main weapon. Kind of like yeah. the Independence Day scenario where, you know, the guy flies up into the ship and just blows it up from within. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't just explode. Probably because I, I doubt they had the uh, like the technology to, to do that back then. Like, just blow that thing into pieces. Yeah. But, uh, but it actually kind of worked on a different level because it was a, di- a different way to take it. Yes. But uh, you think now they're going to go out and just, like, tear that thing apart and, like, take all the materials? Because, like, I, I guess that the body of it is, like, very, you know, it's, like, basically Powerful. indestructible. Yeah. yeah. I assume the same well, if thing. It's, if, if it's miles long on top of it, there's tons of material there that you could use for resources. Then I right. re- my, I also responds, um, why isn't the, the ship made out of that kind of material? Like, is that just material so rare or something? Yeah, they just made it that way so that their enemies couldn't destroy it, I guess. Yeah. Like, it just goes on eating planets. Um, kind of a dick move. Yeah. So, uh, so Kirk, uh, yeah, he makes it on board the Enterprise, and uh, Spock gives an energy readout, uh, energy output reading from the machine and says that it's zero, and uh, Kirk enters the bridge to see the uh, disabled machine on their screen there. And uh, so Spock welcomes him aboard and tells him that the machine is quite dead. Which is a weird choice of words for one that wasn't alive. You would think of all people, Spock would have said disabled. Um, yeah. But Kirk, uh, he gives out a few orders and he and Spock uh, talk about how Kirk's log is going to show that Decker died in the line of duty. So basically they're just not even going to mention that, you know, he kind of went crazy and, and killed himself, which is really nice. Uh, so his family will still get the pension if he has a family. Yep. Uh, so actually, fuck him because that's on us. That's on the taxpayers. <laughs> all the people in the federation have to pay for yeah. that yeah uh kirk notes uh how ironic it is that in the 20th century the uh, h-bomb was the ultimate weapon and doomsday machine and that they just used something like it to destroy another doomsday machine and he says that it's probably the first time such a weapon has ever been used for constructive purposes and uh spock says that he can't help wondering if there are any more of those weapons wandering around the universe and uh kirk just says that he hopes not because he found one to be quite sufficient and, uh, and he's that's not it. wrong. Yeah, yeah, they uh they continue on their their journey uh into the next episode. So uh I guess we can start with Dan for this one. Dan, cuz you've seen this twice now, I think, right? I have. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I loved it. It is probably my favorite episode so far. They they nailed everything in this episode. No complaints. You know, my favorite thing about you saying that is that I feel like we have said that every week in season two. Like, what a hell of a season, man. Season like, two has been episode, really good. Like, every episode, we have a new favorite episode. Like, uh, I, I, when originally when I when we watched the Mirror Mirror episode, I'm like, okay, th- nothing's going to top this. But I feel like this episode is slightly better than the Mirror Mirror episode. Yeah, like, I am just pumped to continue this season. Like, I hope that it yeah. can, like... It's it's impossible to continue this quality. There has to be a, a bad one here and there. But damn, dude, did they really nail the formula and just everything they did that they did for this season? Like season one was good, but this one they just seemed to really be on top of what they were doing. So, but, well, but yeah, season same for one me, had man. Like, low this moments. Is, yes, yes, it did. Uh, but 
it's the same for me. I loved absolutely everything about this episode. It's perfect. It is once again, you if somebody's watching Star Trek for the first time, I do you start with this one because it's damn good and there are so many good starter ones. But this just it had everything for me. So yeah, perfect perfect episode. Uh, and actually, I, I think I might actually rewatch this one over the next few days because I enjoyed it that much. Uh, and I can watch it without having to stop and take notes every 15 seconds. <laughs> oh, I'll make it more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very suspenseful when the, the part that's supposed to last 10 <laughs> seconds <laughs> lasts for a full minute because I have to keep going back. Uh, but okay, yeah, Paul, uh, what do you think? Um, first of all, I want to get a shout out to the actor uh, William Wyndham. He's the actor who played the uh, Decker. And... Uh, like, he's pretty much the star of the whole episode to me. Like, I like the whole episode, but without him looking so manic and crazy the whole time and sweaty and disgusting, whatever it was, he did a really good job of it. Um, I like the episode a lot. I mean, it's a 9.9. Like, it's not, it's like, it's a great episode, but I like some other ones better. But it's not this, this episode at all. Um, I thought it was cleverly written. I thought it was well put together. Like, the thing about this episode was my notes were literally like half a page. And my notes are normally like five pages because I had nothing to talk about because the episode was so good until I watched it with you guys and I found something to talk about with you guys. But like the episode was really good and I was really into it. And I just kind of, I really enjoyed it a lot. So definitely, definitely a great episode. It's one of the ones that you like, okay, you got to watch this episode too. Like, like this season seems to be a list of episodes that like I think everybody should watch. Like, and if I was show anybody a Star Trek episode last season, there was, like, one Carbonite Maneuvers, one always stuck with me. But besides that, nothing's been on the quality of these episodes this season. Like, there's been, like, maybe one episode this season that's been, like, just okay. But, the like, the, the gist of them have been amazingly put together. And I'm really happy that we're doing this and we're really enjoying it. So, Yeah. Um, and I didn't mention this before, but probably the best thing about this episode for me, there's no Chekhov. He's nowhere to be found. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you and your Chekhov hey, have to stop. <laughs> well, I forgot Chekhov's first name, man. Oh, man, I forgot what it was. He, she called him yeah, I Petro, I think. Was it Petro? Petros? I think it is Petro. Petro? Yeah, yeah, I forgot his name already. <laughs> they said his first name for the first time last episode. That one episode, I forgot. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, we are going to move on oh. uh, next week, I presume. We're, we're going to try to again, you know, when we get to him. Uh, we're going to be season. We're going to be do. We're going to be doing a season two, episode seven called Cat's Paw. All one word, oddly enough. Cat's Paw. Aliens on a mission of conquest hold the crew captive. Sounds interesting already. Okay. We got aliens. And from the little picture, it looks like it's Kurt, Spock, and uh, Bones again. You know how it is. So it's it's the the three stars doing their thing. Are they, are they cat people? <laughs> oh no! Wait, cat, is it a planet cat, oh. of all anime cat girls? <laughs> oh no! It'd be like a well, sleep This episode might not be family friendly if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, oh God, Kirk's there. No! Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> you think Kirk likes cat girls? Oh, absolutely. Do we have time for this discussion. <laughs> cat, Kirk likes all girls. He, he don't discriminate. That's true. Cat just likes the women. He don't care. That's true. Um. So yeah, with that one, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Sorry we went a little bit longer than normal. I don't know. None of this is really, it's all going to make it. The recordings all sound good. So we're right around the hour and 30 minute mark almost. So uh, yeah, we will catch you guys next week for Cat's Paw. All out. Later.